0: The concept behind product is one winner, hundreds of thousands of losers, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, the amount of time and energy and effort is usually, in my opinion, greater than mm. in a consulting business.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back again. Thanks for tuning in uh, to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Sharad. I, am, I have to be honest with you, I'm a little nervous today because this special guest actually appeared on Oprah and I never interviewed someone who appeared on Oprah's show. So uh, it's pretty, pretty. Uh, I'm pretty nervous, but I, at the same time, I'm excited. Uh, it's none other than, we, today we have none other than Rand Fishkin, the, the legendary marketer we all know. Rand, I really wanna appreciate uh, you for taking time in your busy day to appear on the podcast. Welcome to the show.
0: My pleasure, Sharath. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here.
1: Awesome. Uh, so it's as you all know, you know. I just want to introduce the guest, which most of us know, but just to remind uh, what he did in the past and his his accolades and whatnot. And honestly, I don't know where to start because you know, if you ask me to re- define Rand Fishkin in, in in a word or so. I would say he's the Yoda of marketing. He's, he's done like many things, uh, many experiments, many campaigns and so on and so forth in this area. Rand is a founder, author. He's an SEO expert, an investor and a prolific, prolific content creator, uh, who I came across multiple times on Twitter. Uh, and first of all, I think I have to, I have to give a shout out to Amanda Natwidad for introducing us. Shout out to her. She's a phenomenal person. Uh, Previously, Rand built this uh, consulting turn software company called Moss, uh, and grew to 130 plus employees, 30 million dollars in revenue, or like what, 30 million visitors per year on the on the traffic side. And he is currently the CEO and the co-founder of SparkToro, a fine audience research platform, which which is with over like 100k plus ARR. And he authored many books. Primarily notable ones are The Last and Founder. Uh, I like the title uh he often writes and shares his wisdom lessons on twitter and youtube which i will put in the show notes and you have to you have to definitely follow some of the tips uh he shares often and yeah that's it that's like the brief intro i have i can go on and on about this guy but i want to like dive into his mind about how he thinks marketing the future of marketing and his experiences in the past. But uh again welcome Rand. let's uh right off right off the bat i do have a question for you which is about your let's actually go through go back to like 2004 that's when you just dropped out of college and you joined your mom's small business as a web designer if i'm not wrong uh what was your first love towards marketing when did you think and realize like you know what I'll make a career out of it. What, 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 is there an aha moment or how did you figure out like you'll be in, in marketing forever?
0: Mm, I don't think I ever had a moment like that. I think it was more of a slow, steady, you know, you do the work, you start to enjoy the work and get good at it and um, see some people responding positively and then try and do mm-hmm. those same things over and over again until you uh, find yourself with a career so yeah
1: so it, it's kind of like you know you you dipped in into these stores and you kind of just took a shot
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a slow process of you know in in two thousand one when I dropped out of school the the marketing I was doing was web design, right, so what I liked mm-hmm. doing was the visual side and the artistic side, but I wasn't good at it mm-hmm. um I'm still. I still don't have any visual arts skills, <laughs> um, even though I really enjoy it. And I had to start learning SEO. What was that? Probably 2003,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, two or three, and practicing that. I, I wasn't initially a huge fan of it, but I. What I really liked was, um, I guess, the part of of that. Practice where you where you're proving Google wrong, right? Google says mm-hmm. something on their website at the like, time, right? They they barely yeah. had representatives. There was this anonymous person called mm-hmm. Google guy who would sometimes comment on forums at the time. Mm-hmm. That was the only source of official information from Google, mm-hmm. um, and the you know the reality of the situation was what that person said and what Google would say officially on their website. Were, right. was not always true about what worked and didn't work uh, mm-hmm. in Google search. And that, that was true. You know, that was the case for like 20 years. Right. So I, I enjoyed being able to prove Google wrong. Right. Google says this kind of link doesn't work. Like, Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I got that kind of link. I sure look like I'm ranking higher. Right. It seems to me like it works. I mean, you say it doesn't, but I'm going to keep doing it because right. my rankings are going up. Um, those, those kinds of experiences I really enjoyed. I think, I think there's some part of me that's very um anti-authoritarian, right? right? I don't like when the big guys right. uh, win. I don't like when the big guys tell you what you can and can't do.
1: Right, so, the big brother. You know, if you, yeah. you know call. No, I, I feel. Uh, yeah, I think. I think uh, that's an interesting angle, right? You basically have an innate passion and curiosity to like prove someone wrong, and that drove towards you to like. I think I feel like it's. It, it was the reason behind you know, starting SEO Moz, which was actually turned into Moz as a software company. Uh, And it's very interesting what you said about proving them wrong. And before even going into SEO Moz and all that, who introduced SEO to you? Like there should be someone, some book, some article, or you've come across like, you know what? This is quite fascinating. Let me dive a little deeper into this.
0: Yeah, let's see. I mean, back in those very early days, there, there were not very many resources, uh, you know, Danny Sullivan, who ran search engine watch, I think he had sold it maybe just as I was learning SEO, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, Aaron wall started blogging right about the same time I did SEO mm-hmm. book. Um, sadly he's kind of gone off the rails the last few years, mm-hmm. um, which, which, is tragic, but, you know, pre- previously, like he, He and I would would collaborate on things occasionally. Mm. Um, There was a woman named Donna Donna Font Fontno, I think from Louisiana, and she ran a blog uh, that I paid attention to. There were a few other practitioners here and there, like on some of the SEO forums. A lot of them were anonymous, Mm -hmm. so people didn't use their real names at the time. Um, But that community was very tiny.
2: Mm.
0: You know, SEO was probably. I don't know. I don't know if there was 500 active people on the internet that you could find who were doing wow. SEO in 2001.
1: So you're very small. You're very early, very early into the game. I feel that's that gave you a little advantage uh, because you're in the top 1%, not even 1%, I think 0.1% and you kind of uh, at that time I feel like, you know, that that is I think an, an unfair advantage compared to others. And I think uh, yeah, I mean if you get
0: yeah, if you get somewhere early, right. and that space happens to take off, right? So SEO took off because search took off, mm-hmm. and so now SEO is a huge field. And and right. I think a lot of people who are who are in that field um, know me and other people, you know, who practiced early mm-hmm. in the space because we had that first mover advantage, right? Um, and then but you know it's tough to make lightning strike twice right so you right. have to you have yep. to hope that later in your career that the next thing that you choose to invest in right. is also going to be something that takes off i think um and some, sometimes you're wrong about it right so yeah. a lot of people uh the last few years have been very excited about mm-hmm. you know web3 and nfts and crypto True. and True. i don't think that's a space that's taking off right that right. It, it, always kind of felt like a scammy space mm-hmm. and now seems like it probably was just a big scam. Um, I think that there's probably some opportunities in places like um, conversational AI
2: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: AI assistants, right? That,
2: yeah. that,
0: that's really taking off. Right. But a few years ago, um, maybe 10 years ago, right? Chatbots were huge. Mm. It was supposed to be really big and exciting. Lots of people are going to invest in it and sure. Did, yeah. I don't know. I can't really think of the chat bot space didn't become super exciting. People don't really use it. Right. There's some edge cases, but I don't know.
1: I, and very few, I feel, uh, I have like so many questions there, but very few people uh, are taking like chat, the chat bot space, like, you know, take Intercom or Drift. They They, they invented a category and they kind of like... L- educated people on that category. And so founders, yeah. say, especially B2B, in the B2B space, they they take advantage of the conversational marketing per se. That's like the, the category they, they invented, right? But I feel going back to the SEO, what made you bet on it? Like given search was there and like there were many things back then, especially web2, the internet is kind of shaping, took taking shape you might have yeah. like say you know what let me actually even retail for example like hey what, what what if i invest in e-commerce or yeah or whatever it is right uh what made you like the gut, gut instinct, like you know what seo that's it hands down fully focus on the next word like i think you've you've been there for like almost 19 years uh, it kind of partially involved uh, with mars you know in a way now but you still believe it plays a massive role so i i want to like maybe dive a little deeper into your gut instinct uh, so people or listeners can maybe inspire from that and use that to put gut instinct what's happening right now in current trends so that that was my uh, reason behind asking that uh, question
0: yeah i mean the the problem with that is uh you know i i think a lot of entrepreneurs make will make it seem like they made great decisions because they were very smart and they followed some pattern and logic. And I think that's uh, rewriting a history that didn't exist. At least Mm. in my case, it definitely is. I I fell into SEO because we had subcontracted some SEO work for our web design clients and Mm. we couldn't afford to pay our SEOs. So I had to do it myself. you know, we had promised that work already, so I had to learn SEO. And then I liked right. it once I learned it and sort of got good at it and was writing about it. And that turned into a software business, but it was very accidental. I never considered doing anything else. Mm. I didn't think about, oh, is search going to be a good space? Is this strategically the right place to put my labor and capital right, right. now? None of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, I think when you, when you look at Spark Toro, that's probably where... Coming out of Moz, right, I had, um, I was, I left slash was let go, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at, the, at the beginning of 2018. So
2: mm-hmm. that,
0: five years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I kind of had some ideas of what I wanted to do next, but I couldn't do anything in SEO because I had a non-compete. So, um, I don't know if you saw actually this morning, Sharath, the FTC in the United States said that they are working to make non-competes illegal. Wow! So, yeah, this would be that, incredible because, you yeah. know, for people like me, right, I, I left Moz and I could no longer work in SEO. I wasn't allowed to, wow. uh, be in yeah. that space.
1: Yeah. That's so, a big win. That's a big win. I didn't know that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. For yeah.
0: Very exciting. Um, TechCrunch was writing about it. It was, a, there was a big piece in the New York times this morning about it. Huh? Um, I think Lena Khan, the new chair of the FTC, is actually uh, an excellent, excellent choice by the administration to lead the FTC. I think mm-hmm. she, she actually, um, yeah, she might be the best thing to happen to that organization in a long time. But um, that aside, I, the non-compete meant that I had to choose something that wasn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, this the space that I was already familiar right. with, right? And that meant. Hey, I'm now I'm actually strategically considering, do I want to be in web analytics? That was one of the fields that I thought about. Mm -hmm. Do I want to try and get into the advertising market? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I want to try and be, you know, do I want to go out of marketing entirely and do something else with my life? Mm -hmm. And yeah, in in that case, the choice I made was I want to still be in marketing. I want to use what I've learned at Moz and build another software company um, that I can hopefully, you know make into a success, but I don't want to do it in the venture capital way. I, I want to do, you know, very different funding structure. Mm-hmm. I want to keep the company really small and lean. Um, and also, you know, what what space is going to be interesting? So at that point, it's more of a a considered move. Mm. But Moz was not. Moz was very accidental.
1: Yeah, I, I love that for, for a couple of reasons, because I love that story because you're, you're kind of uh, craving or itching or trying to scratch your own you know like itch of hey what if i just spend some time here i think i feel i i really admire those accidents because those accidents turning back right now are great memories right like you know if you, you stepped on to something which is unexpected and wow you made out of like not for yourself but you know you turn or change many people's life and made a lot of people better so I love those accidents and, uh, and yeah, kudos, uh, to everybody for, for that massive win. You know, I, I feel like even I, I recently sold my tiny startup and there's a non-compete where I can build in the same space for the next 24 months. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? I, 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 it makes sense for the buyer, but for me, it's like, I've built an audience in this. I've built specific knowledge in this. I've built a lot of in detail first-hand experience in this. And it's really like going to waste because I can do, you know, another business in that area. So I feel that's a big win in, in a way for a lot of people like founders who, who had exits or even for employees who have similar ideas in a company, get, get out of that company and uh, can do a similar thing. So I, lo- I love, you know, kudos to that. Uh, so you started Moz and why why did you shift from consulting to software? Like what was the shift? Uh, is there a primary intention because consulting won't sustain long? Is that like there is an intention there and product is different, right? Product always wins because and it scales fast. People believe, investors believe more in product than service businesses. So what was your thought process of going from consulting to uh, like building a software product?
0: Yeah, okay, so let's see. A bunch of things in there that I disagree with. Um, one, <laughs> uh, it was not a thought process. Like uh-huh. I mentioned before, it was accidental. Mm-hmm. So we um, we built some tools for ourselves. I wanted to make them public and share them for free. Uh, our developer, Matt was like, no, we can't afford to do that. Uh, we'll, you know, our service will get overrun and we'll, everything will fall apart. I was like, okay, fine. How about we set up a little PayPal paywall where you, you know, you have to PayPal us some 39 bucks a month, 29 bucks a month or whatever to get access. Um, so Matt was like, Uh, I don't want to do it, but fine. I'll build that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, six months later we were like, oh my God, this made more money than our consulting business. Mm-hmm. Um, But, but, you know, you say like, oh, product always wins. I, I I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. Mm -hmm. Um, Product is incredibly risky compared to consulting. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the survival rates of, you know, product-based businesses, physical product or software, Mm -hmm. uh, the survival rates, five-year survival rates are dismal, Mm -hmm. um, lower than 25%. Uh, Consulting, on the other hand, has one of the highest long term and short term survival rates of any business kind. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to be in business for a long time and you don't want to go bankrupt, you want to have something that's safe and secure, consulting tends to be a really, really good choice. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, you know, I think a lot of people would point to Moz and be like, oh, but you can make a lot more money. You know, Moz was making Mm -hmm. $50 million a year when you left Rand. Yeah, it was. But I, The bad news, I have a lot of friends who run consulting businesses Mm -hmm. who made considerably more money than I did Mm -hmm. over the course of their business's life uh, than what I did with Moz. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, maybe their total top line revenue was not as large, but they also didn't need to raise venture capital and they didn't have the investment structure and they didn't have the salary cap that I had right they were taking profits off the top of their businesses every year you know I was making decent money I was making the money that you might make as a you know a mid-level software engineer at Microsoft mm-hmm. or Amazon which is good money mm-hmm. but I I wasn't making millions of dollars a year and a lot of these guys uh, and and women were so but I think I, I don't know anybody who tells you oh product is the way to go software is the way to go just nope it's not don't <laughs> don't believe that, right? Now, if you're a capitalist investor, right. right, and you're like, I want to put money into businesses that I hope can scale, and most of them I expect will die, and most right. people will go out of business, but a few will be big winners, then software makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, and consulting, less so.
1: No, but don't you think, uh, just out of my uh, curiosity, don't you think that for consulting, you have to be present, Right. You have to not not physically, but you have to be like present, present to actually give an advice or do work for others. You're basically kind of renting your time. And I think that is the opposite of wealth creation, right? Do wealth creation through product or these startups, for example, who are product based. Have more leverage because they build once and it can be used many times by many folks. Is 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 that like, is is that like the case? Like, take Airbnb, right? Like, you know, for example, take Airbnb as a consulting business. For example, I know, uh, like tens of big. I'll be a broker in a way, and I I kind of mediate the 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 supply and like direct them them to like you know these. I don't know, like these homes who wants to rent people, for example, just <laughs> for the sake of the conversation versus building a product where you don't have to be there. It's self-serve. You just like use it and people can get benefit out of it from both parties. That's a marketplace idea, but maybe like. A all right. All right.
0: Sharath, real talk, man. Like, come on. Show me who at Airbnb is not present in that business. I met the founders years ago, Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. Those guys were working their tails off probably as much or more than any consultant. They were definitely renting their time to Airbnb, right? They were, I mean, they were working very hard, many long hours, lots of stress, lots of strife, lots of co-founder conflict between them, you know, tons and tons of challenges and a huge team. Mm -hmm. And for every Airbnb, what, what do you think? There were... 10,000, 100,000 companies that tried to do something in that space and were destroyed by Airbnb because they they didn't win. Uh, Compare that to, you know, the broker or the person who's consulting with folks in in the travel and hospitality space. Hmm. I bet they have to work less. Most of them probably make more than the salaries of early Airbnb posts. Now, sure, maybe Brian Chesky today is a mm-hmm. lot richer than most of them. But this is the the whole concept behind product is one winner, hundreds of thousands of losers,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And, and uh, the amount of time and energy and effort is usually, in my opinion, greater than
2: mm.
0: in a consulting business. Now, you might argue like, oh... But Brian and the team, like, they could have left Airbnb, you know, seven or eight years into it once the product was mature and probably still have made money, right? They could have, like, retired at that point. Mm -hmm. And a consultant probably has to work for 20 or 30 years before they can retire. Right. Sure. But what about all the losers who tried to build something in the hospitality space, some software product, some platform, some marketplace, and they... And succeed. Right. So we're comparing the outlier, the absolute most successful mm. one business that made it in that space to a bunch of consultants who probably are all doing fine. So it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't fundamentally agree that, um, there's something superior there. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, and uh, I say
0: this as a product person, right? Like I haven't been, been a consultant in, uh, what, 15 years. Yeah
1: even Toto yeah. is a product so i think you no know, i feel uh, from a making money standpoint maybe yes i think there are from a from getting rewarded i don't know i feel like you know it's still uh, maybe i'm too biased because i'm i started my whole career as a product person never saw yeah. or reaped the rewards of uh, of consulting as such uh, but yeah i think i i i do see your point uh, yeah, the amount a lot of-, of
0: successful consultants, right? They'll build a team, mm-hmm. and they can walk away just as much as a, or, or you know, be an executive rather than a practitioner. They're no longer renting their time; they're just, you know, building up the team's time. And um, yeah, very, very different kinds of businesses. Yeah. But no, one is not superior to the other. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem is that there's a there's a perception
2: mm.
0: in uh, among a lot of founders like you and I that mm-hmm. has been created by investors mm-hmm. who have a biased perspective that they those investors want labor to believe that they should chase the one in a thousand, one in a million become Airbnb mm-hmm. don't build yourself a comfortable business where you own 100% of it right that that works against them they don't want that right they want right. you to own 4% of a business where they own 50% and, you know, you're generating product style, uh, scalable revenue for them. Eh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We should, (laughs) we should not fall for that grift.
1: No, no. I I think I do agree. I think, I think, I, I, I think you and I feel like I agree on one part, which is what you said. Nothing is superior or no path is the right path. You know, you just, you have to go with your gut. I will change that for sure. I'm a product person. I love to build products. So yeah. I'm not biased. I, mean, that's towards... why I do it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I do. I'm like you. I love building product. I like the potential, you know, that it offers. I um, I understand the field. I like what software can do. I, I like the I don't. I, there's one thing I hate about consulting, and that is the sales process, right?
2: Mm, yeah. So if
0: I'm a consultant and I'm having this conversation with you or anybody, right? I always feel like I have to make people like me. Correct. Because I'm kind of always selling and I'm right. always like trying to build relationships. And I don't know. It always felt inauthentic. messed up.
1: Yeah, it messed yeah, up. Yeah,
0: inauthentic. Exactly.
1: Inauthentic. And yeah. It feels like it, even... I to your point i recently very recently started like a small tiny consulting gig for myself for helping like early stage founders and i see the pain what you're saying what you just said which is you have to put your energy effort to impress others which yes. i think for people who believe in authenticity never work so yeah it's hard it's really hard to convince others and especially when you're trying to sell a service that and a promise that you is near in the near future not now unlike product you get the instant value at least like in the most cases right you, you use a product yeah. and you get value so consulting maybe that's why i'm like kind of you know uh favor to building a product but i think i do agree yeah. on one thing and i also want to point out what you said is a lot of many investors again right we we live in a society where people try to uh program us you know this yes. is right <laughs> and most of them like you said to their benefit they try to program in a way that we they make us believe that one path is superior than the other so i feel even i i spoke to like i bootstrapped my my thing where i actually honestly believe in building a vc company has more advantages let's let's park that discussion for for other other time but I used to hate bootstrapping.
0: You sure, you sure you don't want to just spend an hour fighting about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have like more, more important questions to answer, but okay, all right. to to wrap up this, uh, I used to think wrongly about bootstrapping because I used to think that, you know, there is no risk. There is like kind of, uh, you, you, you grow very slow at your own terms versus like growing fast rocket ships and all that using like, you know, VC money and yeah and building that hype and whatnot so and when i built shout out my tiny little startup bootstrapping that i saw tremendous advantages of owning my own business and not having other people or selling the equity to other people because i have complete control and when i did the exit i had no one to answer to except to myself so there is i feel there are like there is pros in every path and there is no right path. You just have to feel hundred percent convinced that, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and you just do it. So, uh, I think, yeah, we, we, we should do another episode about bootstrapping it versus VC. I have you, I want to learn about your, your thought process there. Uh, but yeah, let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about, uh, you You build that the whole business, million dollar business, and I saw in your bio that you you went through a depression you know and i want to understand it's it's such a such a sensitive topic, and these days a lot many founders are talking openly, thankfully like they're sharing their views their 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 low lights more than their highlights and it it helps other people to like recognize those and making vulnerable being vulnerable on the internet. Is actually a superpower in my opinion. You know, I, I've done it many times. I recently had a very bad, you know, time. My wife got, you know, miscarriage, and we we're dealing with that. And I was like, kind of vulnerably put that out. And a lot many people were kind. They were they shared their love. It actually helped me, right, the process to process through the grief. So I want to talk like, how was those? How was those days? Like, you know, what well, what was your mindset back then? And what are the, what are some things you did to overcome, you know, in, because you're, you're a guy at that time under spotlight. You're like, no, not like a nobody. You, people are watching you. Your friends are watching you. There are people rooting for you. So how was, how was the, how was the whole uh, episode or the period you went through that phase?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point. I, I wonder if that spotlight made it harder um Hmm. let's see so first off i'm i'm so sorry about your loss that's that's a really hard thing to go through sharath uh and yeah i have a lot of uh a lot of friends who've who've had similar and family and yeah uh that's that's a tough thing uh i i I will say in terms of my mindset so one thing I'm pretty sure is true is that I think there's kind of i don't want to say two kinds, but mm-hmm. there's definitely these um people who undergo a kind of uh deep sadness and and mental and emotional changes because of a catalyst right mm-hmm. something happens true. to them there's you know a loss, there's an event mm-hmm. um trauma, something like that you know, that, that causes it, that kicks it off. Yeah, I
1: like a trigger. Uh, in my case, the, I,
0: I can't point to anything. I don't know of anything that mm. was a, was a trigger or a trauma point. It, it, as best I can tell, it was more like a chemical change, right? Mm. So, a you know, I went from relatively high functioning and, you know, optimistic and, and a positive, you know, generally positive, Mm -hmm. friendly person to, um, I would say more narcissistic, more, Mm. um, definitely vastly more negative outlook on everything, Mm. uh, really struggled to think clearly and, and process well. Uh, and that, That change seemed to happen, sort of. I wouldn't say overnight, but over the course of just a few months, Mm -hmm. and then stuck with me for a good two or three years. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and I I think you know, in a lot of cases, like a, I I think a clinical Mm
2: -hmm.
0: psychologist or psychiatrist or something, someone would say like, "Oh, well, that's this kind of depression, which is, you know, fundamentally different from something that's caused by." traumatic event um or by a, a specific trigger um but yeah i the you know the weird part of it is you you think that your uh thoughts are logical and make sense right but in hindsight in retrospect and and from the perspective of other people you know you seem off off yep and so yeah i thought I at least had the self-awareness to recognize, Hey, my decision-making here is problematic. I should do something to try and address this, um, on the business side. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I was the CEO at the time, right. Obviously. And, and leading this very fast growing yeah. company that, um, I think pr- probably, you know, if, if I, if we as the team had made good decisions over the next four or five years, probably could have IPO had been a,
2: mm.
0: you know, very successful, um, company for its investors and for the team and all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously that did not happen. You know, I ended up stepping down as CEO,
2: um,
0: and talked to my board and we, we promoted, uh, the chief operating officer Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, and the next few, I think the next year of the company went kind of okay. And then things got rockier and went downhill. Uh, the company like raised more money in, in 2016, a little bit more money, but couldn't get an outside around. So it was an inside around right, right, right. and then, um, yep. you know, kind of went, went off the rails from there, had some bad layoffs a few months later, did, mm. uh, very much lost the market to, uh, competitors over the next few years. And so, you know, by the time I left in, uh, was that 20, yeah, February of 2018, you know, Moz was on this, like, very slow growth path, which mm. as a venture-backed uh, software company just doesn't work well. Right. So I think Moz was growing at maybe 7 or 8% year over year, maybe 9%, something like that. Mm. Uh, just not not enough to be interesting. And,
2: mm.
0: um, yeah, the company sold, when did it sell? I think it sold to a private equity mm-hmm. company in twenty. 21 i guess Mm -hmm. um and you know that transaction um the the details of it aren't public and i'm not allowed to reveal them but um you can look at the acquiring company you -hmm. know they have to make disclosures because they're they're publicly Mm -hmm. traded so they have to make disclosures about the companies that they buy they bought two companies um in that quarter Mm -hmm. one of them was very very tiny
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know so I think any outside observer would be like, well, they must have paid less than $5 million for that company. Hmm. And I think, you know, and then they, something, their total purchases Mm -hmm. for the quarter were like $80 million. So you're like, okay, Hmm. I know how much, I know roughly probably how much they paid for Moz. You know, Moz had done its last investment round at a hundred million valuation. So. Right. Yeah. you, You know, for sure that whatever it was purchased for it was less than the last valuation which right. of course is terrible for everyone's stock and mm. all that kind of stuff yeah uh, so i think yeah i mean my my depression uh my episode was um i think you could almost say like cat- not catastrophic for the company but it definitely mm. um Destroyed a ton of value for that mm-hmm. for that business. Right. If I'd been a fully functional operational CEO. Right. I like to believe that it would have done better.
2: Right. Uh,
0: maybe if myself and the board had chosen someone different right. um, or had made some changes at the leadership level.
2: Right.
0: Uh, you know, when it when the signs were pointing to right. problems, we, we would have done better.
1: Right.
0: But yeah, man, it. Uh, it, it sucked, not not yeah. just for me, right? All the people who work there, all our customers,
1: yeah. Oof, yeah. The
0: knock-on impact, terrible.
1: And I'm so yeah. happy to see you, like you know, helping others and producing the content and building Sparktoro with, with Amanda Casey. And it's been it's been a joy to watch you, Ryan, and and uh, you know, so thankful that it ended and something new started with you. So, uh, so let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room, which is, of course, obviously, you know, about marketing. And in the sea of marketing categories, there are like so many, so many ways people can market. Startups can market. There is content marketing, email marketing, paid SEO, and all that. Uh, what do you think uh, founders should start? Like, if someone has started started to building a startup in twenty third twenty twenty three, what advice do you give for them?
0: Um, I, <laughs> so I, there's no universal advice. Mm -hmm. anyone who says, oh, every founder should do X is wrong. Mm. You know, if you're in, it depends on the sector you're in. It depends on who you are and what you're good at. It depends uh, what kind of team you've got. It depends what kind of product you're selling or services, Mm -hmm. who you're selling to, all of that stuff. There's no no good singular answer. I do recommend universally, um, I've got a blog post about this, but, you know, choosing uh a practice that's at the center of of three overlapping circles well, circle number one thing that you are personally passionate about and mm-hmm. good at mm-hmm. right so if if you're like ah i hate email i hate mm-hmm. doing email but i guess i should build an email marketing practice maybe you shouldn't yeah. mm-hmm. you, you probably will not be good at it i've never seen anyone be like oh i hate doing email but i'm so talented mm-hmm. <laughs> no That's not not how it works. Uh, Second one is somewhere where your audience actually pays attention. Mm. So, for example, if you are trying to reach, um, you know, late teens, early 20s, retail buyers, email is probably a terrible Mm. way to go.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And if you're trying to reach, um, you know, professionals in the B2B world who tend to be uh, older and more advanced in their careers, and you want to do TikTok marketing, right. probably not no. a great <laughs> idea either, right? So <laughs> go to places where your audience pays attention, right. Right. right? On the subject that they're actually on. It could be the case that lots of the people that you want to reach are on TikTok, but that's not where they discuss or true. consume content or expect to find uh, the the thing that you're doing. The same mm-hmm. could be true for Facebook or, or Pinterest or Reddit, Like, yes, they might be in those places, but that doesn't mean that's where they're paying attention to your subject in the, um, you know, in that place. And then Mm. the third one is somewhere where you have a unique value proposition over the competition.
2: Mm. Right.
0: You're doing something that no one else or almost no one else in that sector is doing in that space. Mm. What is that like if you're doing email marketing, do you have the best long form email content newsletter? Mm. Do you have the best short form list of links newsletter that rounds up the industry? Do you mm-hmm. have an email that is very conversational in style and right. builds a lot of relationships? Are you doing uh you know very advanced
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know trigger based emails that mm. hey, if someone does these six things inside our product, we send this email, which is the most helpful thing to them right there. You gotta have a you gotta have a competitive advantage, right? right you gotta right. have something you're doing uniquely from everyone else in whatever right. sector you play. So you right. you you find something at the intersection of those three, you're gonna do well. I
1: I, lo- I really love that. It's like, uh, I think I tweeted about this. Uh, uh it's, it's about like building startups. You know, I I kind of drew three things. One is you have to scratch your own itch; it should be your own problem. You have to uh, build for a big market, which is. Massive, you know, which is there is like a market who who wants to like use the product, and there should be like a problem to be solved, right? Like there should be a real problem, and people are actually craving for a solution or trying to find alternate, you know, uh, ways to figure that out. So in a similar way, I really I love the, the the three circles, which is you have you have to be good at something. It can be content, can be email. Uh, Take social, for example, and there should be enough attention that people can consume that, that the thing you're good at, you know. Uh, and I feel the third thing, which was the third thing, which is uh,
0: a unique value proposition, unique, right? You got to yeah, have an, an advantage over your competitors. I love that. Doing something unique. I love that. Okay, Sharath, on your building a startup thing, though, I like one and three. Like one and three make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. So one being, Scratch your own itch, do something that you're familiar with, you know, sort of have that founder market fit Mm -hmm. issue. And and number three, uh, which I generally agree with, is is solve a problem Problem. that people are actually searching for, right? So, like, hey, real people have this real problem. They're frustrated by existing solutions. They want something new. But number two, build for a big market. No, I, I, I don't like it. I disagree with it. Um, I think the only people who really have to do that is if you're trying to convince a venture investor to mm. put money into your business, then you have to build for quote like unquote a, large, a big market,
1: like a big, big yeah. tam. Okay,
0: big tam, exactly. Right, but everybody else, I recommend against doing that because mm. you will be competing with all the venture back companies who have tons and tons of money to throw at it. Mm. Small markets are often often turn into big markets. Mm-hmm and what, what's considered a small TAM could turn into a 10 20 50 100 million dollar a year business. Right. And and it's only a venture investor who believes that's too small. Mm. Right? So just th- throw that out if you're anyone except someone who's trying to chase funding.
1: Okay. Point noted. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think couple couple more follow-ups on on the on the founders front. One is uh, what do you think founders are doing wrong? When it when it comes to marketing,
0: who I mean, again, this is one of those everybody's doing something wrong differently. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no uh, no universal wrongs. I I do see a lot of founders wait to do marketing until their product is launched, and I mm. think that is generally a terrible idea. Mm. My recommendation for most. Most products, most builders, most founders is do marketing around your topic and in your space and around the problem that you're solving, even before you have any kind of solution to market so that when you do launch, you mm-hmm. have a big yep. you know, email list, a, a bunch right. of people following you, right. lots of people already paying attention to you and right. knowing your name and expecting something from you. Right. Yes, it puts more pressure on you right. um, to, to launch something that's high quality and good, but it is also a great way to you yeah. know, get off the ground. So SparkToro is a good example of this, where you know, basically while Casey was building the product for the first 18 months, mm-hmm. 20 months or so of our existence, I was doing lots of marketing, right? Speaking mm-hmm. at events, going on podcasts, blogging, right, um, right. you know, content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, all that kind of stuff to, to build up an audience for SparkToro. Mm-hmm. And then that audience um essentially turned into our first customers mm. and and when we launched i think it took us only six months to get to profitability so we basically launched in april we're profitable by october break even profitable you know we're not mm. like raking it in but mm. that that's huge for us right for a business like ours not venture-backed we want to survive for a long time we want to be profitable for a long time that was a huge relief, right? Yes. To know that this business could survive and and right. you know could pay our salaries and that kind of thing. Yeah, that um, I think that survivability is a huge huge win. And I would recommend that to anybody else. I would definitely do that. If I were doing any other kind of business right. again,
1: start early. That's, that's, I think the the best thing to do. And I, build, I think
0: build that fandom, right. Build the right. people who are expecting something great from you, right. find the people who really have the problem. Mm-hmm. So many founders I know are like, Hey, we just launched on product hunt last week. Now we're looking for some marketing help.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Oh no. <laughs> that's a big, terrible
1: yeah. mistake. I, I, I think it's really important. I feel like uh, I kind of absolutely agree on your point, which is you have to build a community before building product. You know, a community plays a massive role when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, when it comes to like growing, scaling, basically everything. Like, you know, I think that's why I feel my prediction in the next five years. There are, like, in the last 10, 20 years, we saw a wave of product-driven companies, probably product-only product, product marketing and all that. Number two, there are, like, sales-driven companies, like, you know, would B2B, this yeah. heavily sales-driven. I feel yeah. the next 10, 5 to 10 years, the community-driven companies, you know, are, are going to play a massive role. Community plays a massive role. And I, I want to understand or learn from you as well how how important do you think community plays a role when it comes to you know marketing? In in your experience building Sparktor community can be like a couple of things, right? Not just uh community I brought through Slack or I brought through a, like one specific place. I think that's that's a community community, many to many. I'm also interested in learning from you about audience building, which is like you will have a massive audience that really of course will help if you do like anything, regardless of like Spark or like for starting from zero, you will have an unfair advantage over many people, right? So how important uh, people should realize about the role of community building, audience building, when they're building like startups?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think everyone needs to build a community. Mm-hmm. I do think almost everyone needs to build an audience Hmm. very, very difficult to be successful with with the exception of some hyper enterprise focused sales Mm -hmm. uh, efforts, most everyone needs an audience, right? You've got to have the, um, groups of people who are paying attention to the messages that you're sending across whatever medium you're using.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, very frequently that's email, sometimes it's social media. Mm. For some businesses it might be text based. Right. Um but yeah, without that, I think you're 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 probably sunk. Mm. Uh, and I would say community is a niche play, right? It's kind of a, it's great for some businesses and probably wrong for most businesses that many to many community model, whether that, you know, we're talking about Slack or we're talking about, um, you know, a private forum, or we're talking about social media, right? A public um, Mm -hmm. community, uh, even some email communities. I would, I would argue that's, you know, maybe right for one in 500 businesses where Mm -hmm. the model really syncs up well, and you Mm -hmm. have these active participants who make the brand part of their um, professional lives. Sparktoro has both a community and an audience. Our community, I would say, is much smaller. It's maybe a couple thousand, five thousand people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. our audience is a few hundred thousand people, right? Mm -hmm. Who... Right' Whatever. Yeah. I've tried the product, subscribe to us uh, via email, follow us on social media, something like that right? right 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 That's the audience, and then the people who you know regularly join our webinar, our monthly webinars, uh office hours with mm-hmm. Amanda and I. Um, who came to spark together, right? Our, um, mm-hmm, yeah. our virtual event, which we're going to do in person this year. I love that, that by the way, those... shout
1: out to, shout out to that event. I I really liked the idea of spark together when oh, Amanda nice. mentioned, yeah. Shout out to that. Yeah. I didn't mean to stop. Yeah.
0: You. No, Spark together was, um, I mean, the one in November was incredible. It blew me away. I was, I was just, I was glued to my screen for like, <laughs> what, what did we do? Six hours. It's yeah. incredible. Right. Yeah. Um, just so exciting. And I, I think the in-person one, that energy is going to be, you know, 10X. But, off,
1: off the charts. Yep.
0: Yeah. Off the charts. But, but that like, that's the community, right? And mm-hmm. then there's the audience and you don't necessarily need both. You can do one or the other. I, I think almost everyone needs an audience. I don't think everyone needs a community and it's mm-hmm. a big investment. If you haven't previously built a community, managed right. a community, engaged with the community, it's tough, right? Because the tough. expectation there is very different. It's not a broadcast at me.
2: Right. It's yeah.
0: an involve me, put me in the yeah. show, like make me part of the uh, universe of what you're building. It's a challenge.
1: It It is. It is. And I, I completely agree with you uh, uh, on what you said about not everybody needs a community, but everybody definitely needs at least you have to have a sole audience. You don't have to necessarily have an audience for your brand per se, but you definitely, as a founder, if you're starting in 2020, there's like no negotiation whatsoever about building an audience on Twitter, on these platforms, TikTok, because it it massively, massively differentiates. And I, I, I actually realized the other part, which is not, it was very hard for me to understand and digest the fact that not everybody needs a community because I was completely like in this, in this bubble thinking that everybody should freaking build a community no matter what. But I quickly realized I spoke to like many founders, uh, help while helping them. If they are like, I think it's, if it should be like a strength you have to play, right? Like for community building, the person who's building a community should really, really, really love people or else it won't work. If it's a, if it's a namesake thing that other startups are doing, I have to do that then you're signing, you know, for, for failure. I feel once I realized that, you know what? Yeah, I think, you know what, you should, (laughs) I shouldn't pressurize people to like, you know, Hey, you have to build community for, for whatever reason. And I, I started like kind of not advising that way that what you said, if you are really passionate about people, you have really passionate about a certain niche that you feel you can contribute and that you think if you die someday, every, someone can, actually replace you or there is conversation still going on without your behalf that means that you're you're, you're signed up uh, for to be a great community leader right so I love that so let's kind of talk about SparkToro a little bit I know like we're kind of over time I hope you know we can yeah. spend a couple more minutes on this because I really 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 want to understand first thing how the hell a three-person team can build such a big business like a three-person <laughs> team when amanda said i was actually completely shocked because i i from an from a from someone who's actually observing you guys i don't know like many of the details uh about the team but when she mentioned that you're you amanda and casey that's it like there is no manpower whatsoever Nobody else yeah. and i'm like what 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 the hell? How there because I know many businesses with massive manpower are doing terrible. Like, so you must be doing something really, really right. And, and really uh, something that, that can hopefully help like, you know, listeners who are also like trying to do the same thing. So I want to understand like, what's the secret if you want to share, right? Like what's something, hmm. is it like process? Is it like tight knit? uh, uh, deliverables or like, what is, what's something, what's, what's going on in the, in the world of Sparktoro or between three of you.
0: Yeah, we don't have those things. Um, <laughs> so there's not a lot of process, uh, or layers or anything there. There's very little formality,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? We sort of, the three of us agree on projects we're going to work on and what work we want to get done in the next few, you know, weeks and months. And then we get to it quietly and privately um we try actually not to take on too much mm. right so we we try to do um what we call chill work mm. which is which is like this idea like of that. yeah hey let's leave ourselves a lot of space in any given day you know mm. yesterday amanda was like hey i'm i'm trying to send out this email you know newsletter for, uh, by tonight but um i got to go run and pick up my kid cuz he's sick at school mm. so like, we're going to do this other thing instead. We'll do the email next week and we'll send this other email tonight. Right. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> no problem. Right. Like, we just, we just change and we, uh, the business works around our lives, not the other way around. Mm, I love that, which is, um, very unique and different. I, what I think it really helps us do, like, if you were to say, why is Spark Tour successful? I think we, we chose a relatively good space mm-hmm. audience research is very uncompetitive almost no one offers what we offer right. if you want to go find the demographics and behaviors of an online audience it's actually really hard mm-hmm. like it would be very difficult to get the data that we provide mm. from anywhere else mm. so that you know that's like our our thing that we do that's unique right. No one in venture capital, no like VC backed software startups are chasing this space because they all believe it's too small. Mm. So we we don't have very much competition, right? Nobody's right. like trying to play in in our little playground, which is great. Right. Um, obviously I think we got you know we got some benefits. The fact that Amanda and I both have audiences mm. that we bring to SparkToro and we're both very, you know, very good at some combination of content For and sure. email and social yeah. media and um you know, community building, all those kinds of things that definitely helps. Mm. Uh, and then I think, you know, the real star of the show is Casey, Mm. right? So Casey is an incredible engineer. He, you know, can build things and maintain them and builds them in, in scalable and thoughtful ways. And he's very cost conscious, Mm. um, so, you know, it keeps our, our AWS costs low, all that kind of stuff. And, and he, you know, he's a, he's a genius when it comes to working with big piles of data. Mm. Um, he can, you know, make these connections work. He's a product thinker. So, mm. you know, he'll try out the product himself. He doesn't just show me the thing I asked for. He'll like tune it until he's happy with mm. it and then um, I love that. get it there. So. Yeah, I think that that ownership mentality from him is is just absolutely huge. Uh, And then, yeah, we like I said, it's no process. Like we meet maybe once every three to six weeks. We'll have a call with each other. Really?
1: Wow. Through
0: yeah, and most of when we have a call, it's mostly like, "Hey, Casey, how's your backyard coming?" (laughs) You know, like Rand, what are you up to? Where are you traveling? Like it. And then you know we'll have a little bit of like okay I'm doing this almost everything we do is run through email or Google Docs. Oh, wow. that's it. I love that. Super super lightweight. No project management. Just hey I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Great.
1: I'm actually positively jealous of what you're saying. What you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is amazing. I one thing I, what you said is uh, hit me really hard. Uh, it's it's the company's your not your lives are not tagged, you know, around the company. That's what you said, right? Like it the comp- other the other yeah, way around. Exactly.
0: The company works around our lives. Which
1: I right? think is is a conversation that everybody should have when they're building their startups. Because usually it's the company that demands and we sacrifice a lot in our personal life. It's not the other way right like we demand and the company sacrifice there's i i know i i i don't usually see that often happen like you know so i think that flexibility that transparency and that kind of like an ownership like you guys carry for yourself and i feel like that's that's amazing you know and like i said i'm very positively jealous
0: um. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it can be that you, you as a founder can design a business this way, right? Yeah. You get to choose how you want your business and company to work. And you, you know, you, people might point to us and say, oh, Spark Toro, they could be so much bigger or, mm. you know, they could have been, they're doing whatever, 1.5 million in ARR. Like they could be doing three, they could be doing right, 10 right. if they, you know, really ground at it and built up a team and did more sales and, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. I'd be like, okay, maybe, I, I don't know if that's true, but mm. that's that's not, uh, I would be excited to build a business that helps that many people and that, that does that kind of revenue, but I am not willing to sacrifice mm. a high quality of life and a wonderful business environment where, you know, I almost never have to hire or fire. I've never had to fire yeah, anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, we've hired one person, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Um, we just keep it really chill, mm-hmm. and that—that's like that's that. worth a lot of money to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And we,
0: I think that's worth a lot of money to a lot of people, and they don't realize, realize it.
1: that. Yeah. Where did you get that? It, 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 if you if you think about it, like it's it's that there is a level of contentment, like that there is a level of I want this, and that's it. I don't want more. Uh, I don't want less. And like very, very balanced. Where did you develop that, that contentment? Is it, is it building these years or, uh, or so I, I, I'm going to say,
0: like, I don't have the, I am still searching for that. What do I want to call it enough? Mm. Right. Like I, I have enough or I am enough. I'm not sure I'll ever feel that way in my life. I don't, Mm -hmm. that's not me, Sharath, right. Like I have that, um, I need to do more. I need to do better. I'm not good enough. Mm. I, I carry that guilt with me all the time. Mm. Um, but I do take active steps, especially with Toro. I take active steps to try and mindfully manage that, recognize that it's it's a part of my soul and right, who I am. Right. And also, okay, knowing that, what am I going to do about it? I am going to take breaks. I'm mm. going to plan trips. I'm going to... Invest in things that, mm-hmm. you know, bring me joy and happiness that are not necessarily connected to the business. And also I'm going to do hard work when I want to do hard work. And right. I'm going to try and live up to the expectations I have for myself and, you know, strive to make the business better. I, I don't, I think SparkToro is, you know, one-tenth of what it could be, maybe one-one-hundredth mm-hmm. of what it could be. And I I want to build it to be the best thing that it can be in a healthy happy, balanced way. I, what I definitely know that I don't need is I don't need to sacrifice all the other things in my life. Okay. Um, or ask anybody else to say, you know, Casey or Amanda or anybody we might hire mm. uh, to sacrifice those things I love that. in order to get this to some arbitrary number of revenue or some arbitrary growth percentage, you know, like you would do with a venture backed business, right. Right? right? So
1: yeah, I love that. I I absolutely, you know, uh, kind of noting some of the points you mentioned, and I'm I'm going to definitely build something even this year or next year. uh, But I, I want, I wish that for myself as well, which is being in the moment, being in control, and doing things that you really love to do. That's it. And not worrying about these imaginary goals that you put because of someone else put their in the goals for themselves, right you just I think you chase your own race, doing your own thing uh and you know, and life's life's good uh love that you know I, I think there is a level of uh deep uh insights there for people who are listening, you know be content you know with what you have be, yeah. be happy
0: I mean a lot of people right a lot of people in our world would call what spark Toro does, they would use this pejoratively, right they'd mm-hmm. use it to try and demean and insult us, they would say. Oh, well, that's a cute lifestyle business, mm. right? And what, what they're trying to do is say, you are worse than me. Mm. I am trying to build something bigger, big, which means something real, which means something that impacts the world somehow, yeah. which really means I'm trying to make money, more money <laughs> faster than you're trying to make more money. Yeah. Like, great, man. Good for you. Know, you. you yeah. yeah, you think you're so amazing because of that. Like, I don't know. To me, that's no different from the dudes on the beach who think their muscles are bigger than
2: yours.
0: <laughs> like it's just, you know, right. um, it, it is, I, I'm not impressed. You, you don't scare me. Like, I, right. yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I think you are absolutely right on that front. I feel, I think, you know, it's a, it's a weird game. I, I hope, I think a lot, many people like yourself are actually making contentment mainstream. You know, I, not contentment is the wrong word, but I think yeah. being being in yourself, no, being in control, it's
0: exactly right. Like a
1: a balance, something healthy, balance. something
0: where yeah, where your business is doing well and you like it, and it's providing value to your customers, and also it's not consuming your life in a way that right. has negative repercussions on all the other aspects of right. uh, you know of what a human being wants and needs. Yeah. Like, why, why, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you, why would you make yourself deeply unhappy and, you know, suffer and struggle if you don't have to, right. yep. a lot of people have to, they have no choice, right? Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you're, I don't know, working on a farm, you're, you know, a janitor, you're mm-hmm. working at a car wash, you're, mm-hmm. you know, working at a gas station. Like that's, that's, that's hard, hard work. work. That's way harder than what I do. Yeah. I look at those folks. I'm like, Jesus, man. I mean, I don't don't care. You know, you work in security at the airport. Like that's a hard job. You're on your feet all the time. You can't be late. You have to do these hours. Like anybody who points to an entrepreneur in the software world and is like, well, I work really hard. Hell no, you don't. I know how hard, how hard we work. (laughs) Like this is so comparatively easy. Your intellectual capital may be more valuable Mm -hmm. in an advanced economy and you're getting rewarded for it, but that doesn't mean you're working hard, friend. Like, you know, go do a shift at Denny's. I know, I know.
1: A lot of people don't know. I think, uh, I think maybe I mentioned a couple of times when I came to the U S from India, I was a student. I actually worked in my college's cafeteria and I did like a, like a, like a 12 hour shifts, not all days, of course, because I have to like, you know, do my thing. It was freaking hard. I actually had have so much Ooh. respect. I give more tips now. I, I'm I delivered pizza door to door. So I know how tiring, how impossible that is. And I, I that's why I feel like very grateful for what, what mm-hmm. you know we have or the opportunities we have. It's, yeah. it's it's in the different spectrum altogether. Like what we do is I mean and it's so tough like
0: yeah, I worked retail in college and and a little bit of food service, and you know, it's not just like the hours and the sort of the mental difficulty of just keeping yourself going through that. But also the fact that the reward is so meager, like you're just doing it to stay alive. You're not, you're spinning a wheel, like you're getting nowhere, right?
1: It's the same as you do. It's not like,
0: gosh, if I deliver this pizza really, really well, And then I get this tip, like I can turn that into more pizzas and a better business. You can't, like, can, there's nothing. You're just going to make what you're going to make. And I don't know, yeah. mentally, that's so hard. so hard. I am, yeah, I'm blown away by people who can, um, who can yeah, do that. massive and I respect
1: just, to them. They're still doing. Massive, massive respect. Yeah, shout out to all of the, all of the folks who who do these incredibly hard jobs and yet be happy and content with themselves. I think that's, they're the winners, true winners uh, in my opinion. So uh, I think last question before, I, I do have like a, a segment, what I call a rapid fire, where I just like, you know, ask like some silly questions. Yeah, that's <laughs> but I do have like one more question. What, what's your prediction uh, for marketing in, the, in this year, 2023 and beyond, where, where do you see marketing as in general is going?
0: Yeah, I think, so the biggest one, it's less of a prediction than a, hey, I'm pretty sure this is happening. I, I try not to, like, oh, I think this will happen, mm-hmm. but it might not. Uh, my, my guess is that you saw this big fine that um, Facebook got, Meta got in the EU, I, I don't remember, $400 million, wow. $300 million, dollars, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, but basically, along with that fine was a... Restriction saying that Meta is not allowed to sell personalized advertising based on your activities on right. Facebook yeah. and the data yeah. that you give Facebook. Mm-hmm. The removal of the very concept of personalized advertising, mm-hmm. which which I think is going to hit Google too, yeah. and it kind of feels like the world is trending in this way. Um, but that is Apple is right preventing Facebook from collecting mm-hmm. a ton of the data that they were collecting, which meant that. That, you know, that they're not able to do this stuff. And we're seeing this world where, like, the duopoly, mm-hmm. where Facebook and Google control, mm-hmm. you know, 80 90% of advertising. That has dropped. It dropped to, I think, 49% mm-hmm. because of Amazon growing, TikTok mm-hmm. a little bit growing. But other retailers, you know, Etsy, um, eBay, mm-hmm. Walmart, like, they're they're all doing kind of what Amazon is doing. Smaller players like Pinterest and LinkedIn are selling ads. So we're getting this very different world where you can't do uh, the kinds of personalized, targeted advertising that you used to be able to do, where Mm. you just throw money at Google and Facebook and let them sort out the targeting. I think that's going to mean a lot of marketers have to do their own legwork.
2: Mm.
0: We are going to have to figure out where to reach our customers rather than just letting Facebook and Google sort out all the targeting for Mm. us. Um, And we're not going to be able to just use those two platforms to reach people We're going to have to expand where we do things. I think that means marketing as a whole, Mm. the consulting world especially, but in-house marketers for sure. And then, you know, tool and data providers, lots of opportunity. I I see a a ton of opportunity there. And frankly, I see, you know, Meta and Google are going to have a tougher Mm. time um, dominating the field in the way that they have.
1: I love that. Yeah. It's going to be a very different world. Like, you know, privacy is going to in everybody's mind. You know, like you said, I think all people's.
0: And it's funny because nobody gives a shit about privacy. Like no consumer actually cares about it. There's like one point, you know, 1% of people who actually care about privacy. Almost everyone else is like, sure, TikTok can have access to every password I own. And yeah, that can go to the CCP. I don't care. Right. And it's like, it's a keystroke logger and it listens to your audio and it gives exact locations. And like, you know, Uh, tiktok used it to out those journalists right they could they could show exactly where the journalists got the information and all this kind of stuff just wild what people are willing to trade and tiktok doesn't offer you like something that's incredible it's not paying you money or anything but you're like well for the right funny cat videos and dancing (laughs) videos like i will give up all my (laughs) privacy so i don't think anybody cares about privacy but governments regulate yeah that's that's the the there's a few people who care and they are the ones hmm. who are kind of um,
1: making it as a making law. the rules yeah, around. Yeah, it. yeah. 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 Awesome. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I want to be respectful of your time. So we will dive into this little thing I do with every guest uh, rapid fire five. I just will ask like five questions. So the first question, uh, which I think, you'd know, uh, you know, you might've predicted, who's your favorite marketer on the internet? And you can say Amanda.
0: Who's my favorite marketer on the internet? That's not that's Amanda. Not Amanda.
1: You can't say her. <laughs> oh man! I know she's your that's... she's your number one choice because that's why she's
0: she is my number one choice. I mean, she's so great. Um, gosh, there's a lot of impressive folks I follow. I can only pick
1: one person for for, for this uh, conversation. Yeah. Or maybe like, yeah, mm. maybe like pick.
0: Okay. Uh, how about this? Uh, I'm going to say Nandini Jami from uh, Check My Ads. I think um, she is, Nandini is just, I mean, Claire as well, right? The, the two of them together and Claire Akin, right? They. Um, I think they have brought so much transparency and knowledge mm. to the ways that the advertising and ad tech universe have been abused and abusive and they... They've built just incredible brands in the last two years. Like they are globally known. They are internationally Mm. famous. Whereas two years ago, no one had heard of either of them. I love that. Mind-blowing what they've been able to do. They've removed tons and tons of, you know, abusive um, people from the ad ecosystem Mm. and made companies change their policies and, you know, gotten um, people like uh, Breitbart Mm -hmm. and, and. um What's the name? All these conspiracy theorists, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, kicked off of the major ad platforms, taking a ton of money from them. Just incredible work. I I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by them.
1: Awesome. Yeah. We're definitely going to mention them in the show notes. Uh, question two, which startup in your opinion is doing the right marketing?
0: Which startups doing the right marketing? Oh, um, gosh. Uh, I've been really impressed by, what's his name, Nathan from um, ConvertKit? ConvertKit, yeah. thank you, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Big, big fan, yeah.
0: I mean, especially especially recently with, you know, like the, um, their transparency and their their pricing yeah. model and they're just like, uh yeah, incredibly impressive, empathetic, thoughtful marketing. I, so many startups are just, you know, biting it in terms of public messaging mm-hmm. uh, right now, and it, it's really nice to see someone who's just like, "Hey, we're here for you.
1: We awesome. got you." Yeah, I know. I, I think he's one of the one of those founders who actually truly builds in public. Like the convert kid, the highs he shares the lows, the experiments, you know, and all the side projects he yeah. do. Everything is his podcast. I love. Yeah. I love. I mean, when and
0: picking up off of like the gum road stuff, like amazing.
1: Mm. Yeah, that too. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to him. So this is like a fun question. What was it like to uh, to meet Oprah Winfrey like many years ago? What was what was the whole? I I actually want to ask about the whole proposal. How things went south? Yet you actually like you know cleverly, smartly like you know made the proposal. I saw the video. It was amazing. Shout out to your wife. Uh, what was that experience like meeting her, being on the show?
0: Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, it was very, it was a little weird. (laughs) Uh, I barely met her, right? Like it was just those few minutes on stage and, you know, she was mostly, mostly more interested in talking to Geraldine, which, which was fine. Right. I think I said two or three words to her,
1: but I don't know. It was okay. <laughs> it was not nearly as interesting as meeting you. Shiraz. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a very high price. I'm flattered.
0: Well, you know, I mean, look, she's like a, you know, she's a professional, um, but she, I think because she has to be, she's just very distant, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't get to know her at all. She doesn't really get to oh, know really? you. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a show. It's not a relationship. Mm, okay. Okay.
1: I usually thought the other way. Usually, I thought even like folks like Alan DeGeneres, her, they kind of like have some talk with the guests and whatnot. But yeah, I think not, not, not. We don't have to like spend time. It's 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 not value for people who are listening. Uh, so one, you're you're a big writer. You know, I follow, I read many of your blogs, and you know, you, you write a lot with Sparkter or Connor and even on your Twitter as well one writing tip you want to give for founders who are, who are just getting started or like who are, who has some interest of.
0: Yeah. Just cut out your intro. You don't need an intro. You don't need a conclusion. Just, just say the thing, Mm -hmm. get right to it. You don't need to introduce your subject, um, whatever, you know, sort of high school composition class you took, you don't need it. You can just get straight to the point.
1: I like that. Yeah. I've been thinking about writing. I'm not. I'm not a good writer. I can write Twitter threads, but I want to like long form writer this this year. One of the things, one of the tiny. I, if you're if you're not a long form writer, write short form.
0: Like go for it. It's uh, you have nothing to lose. I do recommend. I mean, the other thing I'd say, join Mastodon. Mm-hmm. Start posting there. There's no penalty. Twitter has a penalty, right? If you post things on Twitter mm-hmm. and they don't do well, your account's reach sinks, mm-hmm. and you, you get in this algorithmic trough. And, you know, people don't engage with you, blah, blah, blah. It's all these problems. Mastodon, you can just post as much as you want. Anything that works, great. Anything that doesn't, doesn't mm-hmm.
1: matter. I like the, yeah, I have to check it for sure. Uh, given the fiasco that's happening on Twitter after late. Like,
0: I know. Uh, yeah, it's really nice too. Like the community there is just lovely. They're all really kind, supportive people. Nice. So, you know, w- whereas my Twitter mentions are always filled with assholes. I never get any on Mastodon. Like it's just great. Awesome,
1: yeah. Last question, uh, one secret that people don't know about Ryan Fishkin.
0: One secret. I'm allergic to stone fruit. That's pretty boring. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, um, I've i never been to Mexico. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I want to go. It's really close. Yeah. right? Uh, I think we're, we're going to go for the first time in January. Let's see. What else? I, ah, uh, what? I'm not very secret. There's no, there's no secrets about me. Like everybody knows all my stuff. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I'm very, um, I'm very frustrated with, uh, my, um, the fact that people still associate me with SEO. Like, I think this is, it's not a secret, but I have this like, gosh, I can't seem to break away from this, and and yet I can't do it because I mm-hmm. have a non compete, right? But I can't, I can't seem right. to get away from people thinking of me as an mm-hmm. SEO person, uh, even though it's been five years now. So, yeah, that's interesting, right? Right, right? I think I, I have to figure out my own not, frustration not around. Like it. I secret. think part of it is, yeah, right,
1: right, yeah. Sorry, I, I do agree. I think maybe you know i think you you have like a you have a keyword associated to you which is like a kind of like a brand like you know when whenever even yeah. i'm so sorry now that i realize in your intro i just called you like an seo expert when you are completely
0: <laughs> i mean i used to be an seo expert no no longer if you ask me <laughs> seo questions today i'd be
1: like i don't know <laughs> glad that i didn't talk about seo i'm so glad because i knew a lot many people did many interview questions about seo so rand this has been like a blast uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed i think you're one of the authentic uh, people i've ever had a conversation with you know uh, and i'm so glad that we, we connected we spoke about a lot of things the highlights of your life as well as the low lights and it, it feels you know it feels feels good to actually have a conversation like this and i hope and and i genuinely feel people get some value out of it and the goal of this podcast is to like inspire one person and help them figure out in their journey one way or the other way. So I'm I'm so thankful for your time and you know your inputs and everything you did uh, and spoke to us today. Uh, lastly, where can people find you? Is there is there is there something that you want to point out or give a shout out to?
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, so I'll, like I mentioned, I'm most active on Mastodon mm-hmm. where I'm at Randfish. Um, and you can also follow the SparkToro blog where I, where I write fairly regularly mm-hmm. once every week or two. Yeah. Uh, that's sparktoro.com slash. Awesome. Yeah.
1: We'll, we'll keep all those links in the, in the show notes guys. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Rand. That's uh, that's uh, let's call it a wrap and see you all, uh, in the next episode guys. Thanks for tuning in.